When was the last time that you created intentional space and time to think and to write through all the experiences that you've had as a digital leader over the past day, the past week, the past month, or even the past quarter? Now, you might be thinking, James Robert, right now, I am too busy to think. I am too busy to write through what I've done. I am simply trying to keep my head above water to survive. Well, if this is you, let me tell you, I feel you. I understand you. And I have good news for you as a digital leader at a financial brand. That's because according to a study conducted by Harvard Business School, those that participated, those that journaled at the end of the day had a 25% increase in performance when compared to the control group who did not journal. But how can you create intentional space and time to review and reflect on what you've done, but also more importantly, the progress that you've made as a digital leader? Let's find out together on today's episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Greetings and hello, my name is James Robert Lay and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the new Digital Leader Series. It's a series that we're kicking off here to guide you on your journey of growth at your bank, at your credit, or at your fintech. And in the Digital Leader Series, Audrey Kanata, who is our operations lead here at the Digital Growth Institute and I, we're going to be sharing, we're going to be unpacking ancient leadership wisdom that you can practically apply right now in the present moment, in the age of AI, to guide others on your team and throughout the organization to co-create an even bigger, better, brighter future for your account holders. So today, Audrey and I are going to explore opportunities that you can create for yourself, for your team, for your organization, even for your account holders when you create space and time to pause, to review, to reflect on what you've done along with the progress that you've been making on your own journey of growth. That's because a digital leader must first and foremost learn how to lead themselves in the age of AI before they have the opportunity, the privilege, the honor to lead others. Welcome to the show, Audrey. It is always good to share time with you, but today we're not going behind the cover. We are starting a new series together around an, uh, an important subject that you and I have spent a tremendous amount of time talking about behind the scenes. And before we talk about digital leadership, what is good for you right now, personally or professionally, it is your pick to always get started. Personally, you and I both have a couple of trips coming up. You're leaving in a couple of days to go with uh, your wife, Delina, to one of my favorite places, New Orleans. And then I am leaving next week to take my two kids on a surprise trip to Disney. Yes. And you talk about New Orleans. It's funny. That was actually one of the things I was wrapping up last night was an itinerary of what we can do, where we can go. I'm looking forward to it. Any tips for those who are listening? Because it is one of your favorite places. I've been there more times than I can count, but never for as a quote unquote tourist, always for business and never for pleasure. Yeah. Go hungry for sure. <laughs> and wear shoes. Wear shoes. <laughs> wear shoes. Yes. Yes. Leave the sandals and heels at home. That's good to know. And it's something that Delino was talking about last night. The timing is perfect because we are both in need of new running shoes 
we've pretty much run through the treads. And so I think this, we're going to wear these out in New Orleans and we might even just leave them there, leave, leave them as a gift to the city. Uh, well, I'm excited for you too on the travel front, getting to go to Disney, take your kids, have that experience with them. And it's something that you shared and earlier this year as a goal. And now here it is. Um, it's, it's amazing when we think back on that progress, but Let's dive into this idea of digital leadership because it is something that we have been talking about. It's something that you received an email the other day around someone in one of our cohorts asked for mentorship mm -hmm. from you. And that sparked a conversation in regards to not just digital leadership, but emerging leaders in a digital world and how digital or not how digital, but how leadership continues to transform. I think there are core tenets though that are true and the core tenets of leadership are actually being discussed and we can track these back, you know, thousands of years. And you're in a, a, an interesting program yourself right now with Ryan Holiday, uh, who has written prolifically around the practice of stoicism. It's a practice, I guess you and I both employ in our lives personally and professionally. Um, what, What's the, the story behind the story with Ryan launching this program that you shared with me? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's jump into this. So it's all about applying ancient wisdom to the modern day leader. It's a nine week masterclass and there's a short lesson every single day. And we're taking lessons from a lot of ancient philosophy, really looking at a lot of these lessons and life lessons and experiences and how we can apply them to today. So really digging into history. So that's gotten me really excited and a little geeked out a little bit, but really focusing mainly around Marcus Aurelius and all of the leaders in his life and a lot of the mentors he had and so really just learning from the past and how we can apply it moving forward. It's interesting, this idea of applying ancient wisdom. That has been a subject on my mind, I would say for probably the past three years or so. Since the world transformed in early 2020 through the COVID experience, I actually started reading more quote unquote historical books that were written in the late 1800s, the early 1900s. I had already been reading some of books framed around stoicism, Ryan Holiday, for example, and his works, but applying ancient wisdom in the age of AI, why might that be a foreign topic for some? And the reason I bring this up, and we're gonna connect this back to New Orleans here, is you had an experience recently when you were in New Orleans uh, with a friend, and it was a, I believe it was a lunch, and you had sat down and your table mate Y'all struck up conversation and you really connected on this idea of stoicism. I think both of you shared with each other that you were probably just a handful of people in a, in the room and there was dozens, if not hundreds of people who could connect around the subject. Why might this idea of ancient wisdom in the age of AI be foreign for so many, particularly from a leadership perspective? You know, that's a great question. And I honestly am not quite sure that I know the answer to it. Maybe a lot of it is awareness. I think maybe in the age of AI, there's a lot of distractions out there. So not knowing how powerful a lot of this, a lot of these lessons are. If you think about these lessons that these leaders and Marcus Aurelius was learning all these years ago, they're wanna, really no different. 
than today. So I just want to pause you just for a bit because you've mentioned this Marcus Aurelius character a couple of times. And for those who are watching or listening, who is this guy? And I think it's important to, sh- to share some context and to shed some sure. light on, on who this person is. Sure. So Marcus Aurelius was the last of what's known as the great five emperors of Rome. Um, he was an ancient or Stoic philosopher. He So the time period we're looking at is, I think he served maybe around 150, 170, 80. So a long, long time ago, but he was part of this reign of these really five five great leaders, this era that they had. Yes. And someone who's listening right now or watching, they might be thinking to themselves, why does this matter to me? I'm not a quote unquote leader. I don't lead anyone within my organization, or I might lead just one or two people. I'm not a CEO. I'm not a COO or a CMO. I'm not in the C-suite. Why should I even be caring about this? And and I've been thinking a lot about this idea of leadership, particularly in a digital world, in the age of AI. What does it mean to be a digital leader? And Bo McDonald and I had a conversation on his podcast and he was asking me this question about what, why is leadership important? Why is digital leadership important? And the thing that came across my mind, the, the, regardless if you lead someone else, everyone has to lead one person in their life. And that is your self. Yes. And that is honestly, I think before you can lead anyone and have the opportunity which it is an opportunity, is a privilege, it is a honor to lead other people, you have to learn to lead yourself. And Absolutely. that, I, I think back on the last you know 21 years of quote unquote leadership of my own leadership journey, the first 10, I was not very good at even leading myself, yet alone leading other people. And one of the challenges that I know you talked about with Ryan Holiday was ego, emotion, and expectation are three common roadblocks for leaders. I've experienced all of these. They have been my pitfalls on my own leadership journey. But why these three? Why is it important to note the ego, emotion, and expectations and how they can be roadblocks? Yeah. So I think the first one is ego. This is the one that I think really should be the focus on tackling because here's the thing as a leader, we're all going to make mistakes. Um, We're not perfect. We're all learning together. And so I think as a leader, it's so important that you are just radically honest and you're transparent. You don't have to know everything. A great leader isn't an expert at everything. And so they have to be able to put their ego aside, listen to other people, take suggestions, take criticisms. And so I think having that ego in check is is challenging for sure. We all probably struggle a little bit with it, but I think it really just starts with being radically honest and, and telling the truth. And then he talks about emotion. I think it's real easy to get caught up in taking things personally, or as a leader, you have to be objective. That is your job is to be objective. And I think that's what I love about Colby. Colby coming into play is it takes all of that depersonalizes things. And so you've got to be able to react and make decisions, not with emotion. I get it. A lot of leaders are passionate people, but it's so important to strip that away. And then finally, expectations. And this is two parts. What do you expect of your team? Are they realistic? 
And are you communicating those expectations? How clear are you communicating? Because if your team is unclear and they don't know what you expect from them, then you can't expect them to live up to it. And so I think we forget and we assume it's one of the four agreements. Don't make assumptions. Don't assume that your team knows what you want from them if you haven't communicated it clearly That's and a- recommunicated it. And recommunicated it again because and I'm going to work these backwards unmet expectations is where we begin to get the friction. We get the conflict. And when we are in that, and a lot of unmet expectations are rooted in confusion. It's a lack of clarity and to provide clarity comes back to communication, but we must do it from a place of calm. That's the idea of emotion here, because if, as I'm writing banking on change, emotion and energy are a key theme of banking on change. Because what is emotion or what is energy? It is emotion in motion. We're moving forward. Are we moving upwards to a positive perspective or are we growth bound or are we getting stuck and trapped in the gap where we're griping about problems? And I think emotion is important because if we think about the idea of the emotive mind versus the logical mind, are we making decisions from a place of emotion or a place of, we'll call it logic, and this is where stoicism comes back into play, is trying to find the even kill. It's not trying to, winning is great. You get the high from the win. You get the dopamine hit. Losing, on the other hand, it can hurt. But actually, I was actually thinking about this in regards to a conversation I was having with my kids. We're raising a house of winners and learners. Mm-hmm. Because... I'm almost in a way trying to reframe the perspective of losing. We don't have to lose. We don't have to lose. I think because if losing is part of the equation, then it becomes a zero sum game. You have winners and you have losers. But what if we had winners and we had learners? Exactly. And learning is just, or, or losing is just a learning opportunity because we remove some of the negative emotion when we're talking about the idea of losing, we should transform the loss into a learning opportunity, which then comes back to the idea of the ego, which is where one of Ryan Holiday books, Ego is the Enemy, and that has been my biggest enemy that I have had to really do a lot of work around over the last decade of my life. And it'll creep back in every now and then, and when I realize what's going on, it's, ah, it's the ego. But it's coming from a place of calm So all three of these points, ego, emotion, expectations, they're connected. How do we transform them though? How do we create that idea of awareness that maybe the ego is the enemy? Maybe the ego is getting in the way of our leadership. Maybe our emotive state is a challenge, which is where we work every conversation. We start with what's been going well to start from a, a positive place and not start from the gap. And then expectations, you've talked about communication, but how do we transform these roadblocks into opportunities? Because once again, the obstacle, coming back to Marcus Aurelius, the obstacle is the way. Exactly. You have to want to. You have to want to get better. You have to want to learn and grow first and foremost. And then you have to become aware. Be totally honest with yourself. Reflect. That's where it starts. If you want to get better, if you want to grow your leadership skills, 
You'll pick up books like Ego is the Enemy and The Obstacles Away. You'll join courses like this where they'll bring these ideas up and you'll be forced to do a little bit of reflection. But that's where it all starts. You have to have the desire and the will to do better and get better. And you'll find the resources. You'll find the readings and the learning and the knowledge. And you'll put forth the effort to really become self-aware and, and look at yourself and, and analyze your past and look to the future. But that's it. You have to want it. I'm glad you brought up the idea of if you want this, there are paths forward to ascend to the apex of awareness of Mount Mutatio as I'm writing about in Banking on Change. Pick up a book. I think that's important because particularly through the lens of financial services and financial brand leaders, we have done research on this subject where we found that 81% of financial brand leaders are investing, and I use that word, investing one to two hours or less per week in their ongoing learning and development. And if we break those numbers down even further, it's around 50, 51% out of that 81%, it's one hour or less per week. Someone on LinkedIn posted the other day, I think it was Mike Kelly, he put out a survey and he said, can you be a good leader? Can you be a great leader if you're not a reader? And I think about what I heard from a librarian as a kid growing up, leaders are made in the laps of readers. Uh-huh. And yeah. as we're talking about stoicism here, Marcus Aurelius, we can all literally learn from him and his experiences that were written about in meditations, literally thousands of years ago, and that was something else that came up in this masterclass that you're in. It was a quote from Robert Greene, and Robert Greene shared, any idiot can learn from experience. What separates the intellectual is the ability to learn from others' experiences and their hard lessons without the same amount of friction. Unpack this. What does this mean? So I'll get to that, but I just pulled out my notes from the leadership course and the very first page, the very first class I wrote down, no leader is excused from studying. All leaders are readers, but not all readers are leaders. All leaders are readers, not all readers are leaders. So that's a great point because no leader is excused from studying, yet we find 81% yeah. of financial brand quote unquote leaders are investing, not spending, they're investing their time less than one to two hours per week in their ongoing learning and development. The reason I use the word investing is because knowledge is like currency. You might not get an immediate payoff from what you're learning today, it might be in three months, it might be in three years, it might be in 30 years. This is this this is why one of the four principles for exponential growth here at the Digital Growth Institute is to be a lifelong learner. Yeah, and we're so fortunate right now in our lives to have all of these resources from the past at our fingertips, literally. This wasn't always the case. And so if we're not making use of this 
and taking advantage of it, we're just really doing a disservice to all those in the past who mm. did the hard work and learned these hard lessons. Go pick up obstacles away. And Ryan Holiday starts the book out with all of these horrific experiences that these leaders went through really bad. It's hard to read a little bit and it really puts in perspective. We're not dealing with that. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos in the world, but these leaders really went through some rough experiences and yes, we owe it to them to learn from them. That comes back to the Robert Greene quote, any idiot can learn from experience and experiences life lived, if you will. But what separates the intellectual is the ability to learn from other experiences and their hard lessons without the same amount of friction. So back to your point, a lot of these leaders that Ryan Holiday was writing about in Obstacle is the Way, I haven't even experienced that. But I'm able to take that experience. And I think this is such a key takeaway right here. As we're in this age of AI, we're horrible data processors, our, our minds, which I look at our mind, brain, brain's the hardware, mind's the software, brain is the biological computer, mind is the download, the stream of consciousness, if you will. I'm tangible not get, and intangible. Exactly. I'm not going to get too ther- ethereal on this, but I think it's, I want to pause on this point for just a bit because when you think about leadership and experience if we don't pause and reflect on what we have learned either through our experience or the experience of others and we're continuously doing that's a very dangerous place to be absolutely you it's one of those things and and we talked about this earlier this week with the idea of journaling okay taking that time to journal or reflect it's almost one of those things where you don't realize how powerful it is until you actually experience it. So it's one of those things mm. where it's, oh, reflecting, journaling, whatever, that's soft. I don't, who has the time for that? That's silly. And so people dismiss it, I think. Very easily dismissed because they don't see the immediate results as if you're doing. But when you've experienced it and seen the value and seen how important it is, that's when you're going to make the commitment. So it's, they're not doing it, but they haven't even tried it yet. Yeah, I, I want to also touch on the point too. someone who's listening and is still with us at this point, <laughs> they haven't turned us off or skipped another podcast. First and foremost, thank you. Really grateful for you sharing time with us. And that is a sincere, you could be, there's a billion, literally a billion other things that you could do, but you're making a conscious decision to invest your time with us. And, and I just want to express my gratitude for those that are watching, those that are listening but you mentioned philosophy before and how philosophy plays in leadership and leadership development. I'll be the first one to admit before I begin investing in my own leadership journey and I had that awareness and I had that commitment that led to transformations. This is why one of the, the principles, once again, that I'm writing about in, in banking on change is you have to act. Awareness plus commitment equals transformation. Awareness plus commitment leads to trans. You have to act for growth. I was super light on philosophy. I was super yeah. light on psychology and sociology and anthropology, essentially the human sciences. I had no clue. 
at all until David Baker was the one who put that up in front of my face. And he said, yeah, you don't have a clue. And I knew I had to study this. I was the same way. I did not start learning until just a few years ago about philosophy and stoicism. And unfortunately, no, not unfortunately, I will take that back. But it took me being in a really challenging point in my life where and I had a lot of chaos going on. It pushed me. It made me, okay, I've got to figure this out. You know, I've talked about it before. The obstacle is the way was the turning point for me. That was my first little taste of philosophy and stoicism. And it really transformed my way of thinking. And I saw how powerful it was. I was in a really, really tough, James Robert, you know this. It was a really tough personal time in my life where I probably could have gone a bunch of different directions. You know, I could have let it really take me down, but that was my motivation. That was my drive. And I saw it. I saw how powerful it was to apply these lessons and how it shifted my mindset. And then all these opportunities started coming because of it. And so, you know, it is my hope that it doesn't take a challenging point in someone's life to start learning and understanding philosophy and stoicism, but it might. And it was for me, which is why I'm going to take back. It wasn't unfortunate. I am grateful for what the changes that happened. I'm on the other side now, but that's how it was for me too. See, but you didn't lose. You learned. I didn't lose. No. We And that's the thing. I think if we build a culture around we have winners and we have learners and we eliminate this idea of losing, you're not a loser. You're a learner. I think, you know, as as a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, uh, I think it was, um, what was that movie uh, with Alicia Silverstone? Clueless. 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 You know, it was, it was a thing of the 90s when you walked around and it was like, loser yeah. like that but yeah. But, yeah. but what if we took that and said no you're a learner. learner it's a matter of perspective because once again coming back yeah. to robert green any idiot can learn from experience what separates the intellectual is the ability to learn from others experiences and their hard lessons without the same amount of friction you you mentioned journaling here because mm -hmm. you can learn through others experiences but journaling also provides you with an opportunity to go deeper into your own experiences yep. to transform some of those hard lessons where you could perceive that you lost, but it was really just a learning experience. I know whether, and we do this with cohort reflection yep. with, within our own cohorts that we're leading, whether that's within an individual organization or within a community cohort. And it, and it does accelerate the learning. It does accelerate the growth because you have individuals that are sharing their experiences to help others learn through their experiences. I am in strategic cohort with Dan Sullivan. That's a big part of that experience where we're doing this on a quarterly basis. But I can hear once again, I hear someone who is watching. I hear someone who is listening and they're like, James Robert Audrey, that sounds great in theory. I don't have time. Yeah. I don't have this time. When we do hear that, we hear it all of the time. And I get it. I've been guilty of saying that myself, but think about your day. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I woke up a little bit late today and I did not have enough time to complete my, my morning journal. 
Um, I usually need, need about 20 minutes. And I took it with me. I took it with me in the car as I was dropping my kids off to school. I had about 10 minutes to spare before I got to the gym. And I did my morning journal sitting in my car. You have time. What are you paying attention to? TV, news, all of that. There's, you can get creative with your time. I, last year I had to do car rider pickup. And I know a lot of you parents understand <laughs> me on this. The amount of things I did during car rider pickup, whether it was reading a book, you know, podcasts, you've got to get creative. There is time, but you have to, again, it comes down to motivation and desire. You have to want it. Yes. If you don't want it, you're going to make the excuse of not having any time. For the, those that want a little bit more quantitative perspective here so that they might see, perceive the value of time. I want to share some research that that you sent over to me that is was so yep. timely because as i'm wrapping up banking on change the idea of journaling and i don't have the research that we did off the top of my head but there's a correlation between a lack of learning and development particularly at a leadership level and reflective journaling here's the good news there was a study from harvard business school participants who journal at the end of the day had a 25% increase in performance when compared to the control group who did not journal. And I'm going to quote the researchers, quote, our research, our results reveal reflection to be a powerful mechanism behind learning, confirming the words of the American philosopher, psychologist, and educational reformer, John Dewey, who's now quoting them, which is a super meta thing. Like I'm quoting a quote of a quote. John Dewey said, we do not learn from experience. We learn from reflecting on an experience, which now connects back to the Robert Greene perspective here. There's That's another true. one. Cambridge University, journaling helps improve well-being after traumatic and stressful events. Participants asked to write about such events for 15 to 20 minutes resulted in improvements in both not just psychological health, but also physical health. See, oh, yeah. here's the thing. I've been talking about this idea of bringing this type of thinking, not just within organizations and leadership, but also to account holders within financial brands yeah. because who's the very first person that we have to learn how to lead it is ourselves and if we think about this idea of traumatic and stressful events i don't know that money is right up there there are many traumatic and stressful events that we can experience that you have experienced yeah. that i have sure. experienced money has been perhaps a common theme in some of my own personal experiences once again it's my experience that might not be everyone's experience but what if we were able to bring or encourage and scent, because we're looking to think about change behavior here, motivate this idea of reflective journaling as part of a account holder experience. We're not just improving their financial well-being. We're improving their physical well-being. We're improving their mental well-being. It's not something that's going to happen today or tomorrow, but it has to be built. First and foremost, I think it has to be led from internally and yeah. the, the leadership, if you will, leads by example. And then that would eventually spill over into the account holder experience that puts the transformation of people over the transaction of dollars and cents. Yeah. Your thoughts become real. And that's what the journaling allows you to do is to get your thoughts together, have 
be intentional to have these positive thoughts and thinking. And the more you do it, the more likely they are to happen, to come to fruition. But yeah, I think there's so many different ways we can use journaling personally, professionally, financially, you name it. There's something so powerful about just the physical act of writing alone. What that does, the brain sending the messages all the way down to your, your fingers and, and then seeing those words actually on paper, reading them back to yourself. There's listen, if, if you're not quite sure about journaling, just do some research on it. There's some proven scientific research behind journaling. We're not just saying all these lofty things. There's a lot of proof out there. Yes. And once again, thousands of years. And I think that's the whole point is as we continue down this journey of quote unquote, digital leadership is rooted in thousands of years of experience. And even in this age of AI, ancient wisdom still applies. It's applicable, perhaps it's even more applicable because perhaps they didn't have the distractions that we have today. Their distractions were different. You think about Rome, you had the Roman Colosseum, you had all of these other distractions of quote unquote daily life, but we're all walking around with these and some, and I've had to transform my thinking on this, these devices, these mobile devices, James Robert, it's just a tool. No, it's not. And here's why tools, hammer, saw, screwdriver, you use them for a specific purpose. And then you put them back in the toolbox or you put them on the table. And you're done with them until you need them again. Your mobile device, your phone, you use it for a particular purpose. You put it down on the table and then it beckons you. It calls. <laughs> it's like the siren's call, if you yeah. will, to come and pick it up. Yep. Pick me up. Give me your attention. Takes you out of the present moment. And I want to connect a dot coming back here. Once again, this is rooted in science. Stanford University, the critical relationship between writing and speaking. Now this is really going to take our conversation and bring it full circle because those three challenges, the ego, emotion, yep. expectation, you touched on communication. According to Stanford University, writing reflects clear thinking and in turn, clear communication. To be a leader, you have to lead yourself first. As we start to wrap up, what's your recommendation? For someone to apply one thing from our discussion here that they can at least begin to move forward and make progress on their own journey of growth, particularly around digital leadership. Since we've been talking about how leadership starts with you, I would say start with a journal. I've been journaling for so many years and I just started a daily guided journal because I was struggling being more uh, consistent with my daily journals. And so if you're new to journaling, this is a great start because it's all prompted. It's not an empty page notebook. It's, it's full of prompts and ideas. It really tells you exactly what to write for the most part, fill in the blank. Start. There's tons out there. A lot of them are just 30 days too. So try for 30 days. Try to get in that habit. There's tons out there. You can send me a message. I'll send you to the link to the one that I just started this week. But I would say start there. It's a little bit less intimidating than just a blank journal. So yeah. Or you can use the what's going well framework. Sure. And 
it is a blank piece of paper you start with, but very quickly it becomes a, a guided, reflective journaling and thinking experience because the W stands for winning. So what were the three biggest wins that you had yesterday? Because coming back to this idea of stoicism is doing the reflection in the evening. You could also do this in the morning as well, uh, but it's about creating that continuous habit or routine, whether that's the evening reflection or the morning planning. Um, and there's rules of thought on both. There's benefits for both sides of the equation. Yeah. Marcus Aurelius wrote about this. Uh, Seneca wrote about this. Epictetus wrote about this. But the idea of your three biggest wins, what you're excited about, so that's the E. What are you excited about? One thing, three things. And I like three because Omni try and perfect them. All good things come in three. So what are three things that you're excited about right now? What's giving you the greatest amount of energy in the present moment? So winning's the past. Exciting and energizes the present. The first L is learning. What yep. have you learned? That's the idea of transforming loss into learning experiences. And there's lots of ways to look at learning. It could be what you've yeah. read. It could be what you've heard. It could be what you've watched. Be mindful of what you're paying attention to. And then the last one is looking. What are you looking forward to so that you're continuously in your own mind, back to the, the thinking of Dan Sullivan, you're making your future bigger than your past. And that starts with just your thought pattern. Yeah. So lots of different ways to apply what we've been discussing here, particularly if you work in financial services, if you are a financial brand leader, lead yourself before you can lead anyone else. Audrey, what a what is a fun way to kick off a new a new series on digital leadership? I'm glad that we were able to share this experience together. What's the best way for someone to reach out and say hello to you to continue well, you can the conversation? Find me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Connect with Audrey. Learn with Audrey. Grow with Audrey. Audrey, this has been a fun discussion. I'm looking forward to doing this one again. Yes. Yep. As always, and until next time, be well, do good, and be the light.